This is episode 406. My name's Klaatu. I'm your friendly host, as always. In this episode, we're going to talk about CMake. We're talking about CMake because we're going through every package installed by default on Slackware Linux. Although, with most of these that we're talking about, they're available on really any distribution at all. And even those that aren't, the few that are specific to Slackware, of course, are open source, so you could just grab them from the Slackware server anyway. But today we're going to be talking about a pretty widespread, widely known, well-regarded software package. This is from the D software series, so that's the D for developer set from Slackware. And it is called CMake. And CMake, according to their website, I guess I could look at, is a build system. And if you don't know exactly what that means, you can listen to the episode that I did on auto tools and you can learn all about why a build system is important and how to use auto tools which is is it's another build system that's quite nice um i will admit auto tools is kind of complex though and the syntax to it is a little bit weird so if you go listen to episode 396 that's when i talk about auto make and auto tools in general and then at some other point, I think I talk about autoconf, and and then there is a Hacker Public Radio where I kind of go through the whole process, a Hacker Public Radio episode, which I which I link to from episode 394. So if you need more information about that, that's where to find it, 394, 396, and then Hacker Public Radio. So I'm going to kind of reiterate, but very briefly why I think a build system is a really, really good idea. It might not be so brief, because I do actually feel strongly about this, even though I'm still in the process of migrating most of my little projects to build systems. I mean, I've, I've migrated many of them to a build system, but I'm still in that process. And frankly, I'm glad I've taken my time, because I may well look at CMake instead of AutoTools for the migration ahead. But setting aside any debate over whether you ought to be using AutoTools or CMake, let's just talk about build systems. And there are a lot of build systems out there. I mean, there's Ant, there's Maven, there's, um, what, what's the one for Python? Setup Tools or something like that. Um, and, and lots of different ones, right? So they exist. They're out there. Ninja, that was, I think, maybe what I was thinking of, although I don't actually know if that's for Python. But anyway, um, build systems are important because they help you organize your project in a predictable way. Well, organize and deliver your code, your project, in a predictable way. And that's significant because as someone who does spend a little bit of their time packaging software for others, I have a a personal connection to the, the, the projects out there that surprise you. And it's really annoying because you think, okay, I've got, I've got this template down, and if I run this template, if I, if I just put in the names of, of application foo into this template, then it'll just work. And that it'll, it'll package everything up. And so, in theory, a Slack build, for instance, ought to be like maybe six lines. We need the name of the application, like the, the, the name of the, of the thing that we're packaging. And maybe we could even just pass that as an argument on to the command uh, to, to build the Slack build. And then after that, that should be it. Everything should be it should just be on automatic. The, the script should consist essentially of dot slash configure with a couple of Slackware specific parameters. Make, make install, dest dir, some some temporary directory, and then make pkg-ly-cn path to temporary directory or however that works. So, and, and that should be it. That, that should be, the whole script should be that simple, essentially. I mean, give or take. I'm, I'm, I'm omitting things like the architecture and stuff like that, but, and the, the optimization and the, the, the stripping of, of the executables and so on. But, but you, you get the idea. And the idea is that if the idea, if the model is for coders, people who are writing code, to write their code and then throw it over the walls of the packagers, then in a well-designed system, like if we were doing this for money or for our lives, this would be, this is ideally how we would do it. Uh, Okay, to be fair, if we were doing it for money, lives, you know, as we've seen in the past couple of years, they only go so far as for motivation, but but money, now that motivates. So if we're doing it for money, then we we would have 
programmers programming their code, and they would structure their projects in a predictable and and uh, well, yeah, a predictable fashion, a preset and predictable fashion. They would throw it over the the wall to the packagers. The packagers would run one simple script against it to do the configure, the make, the make install, and then the make package or the make PKG, and then it would be a package, and that would be that would be it. That would be the long and the short of it. And those those packages, of course, would be then delivered to the users. And that would be it. That would be all there was. And that would simplify Slack builds. It would simplify RPM spec files. It would simplify deb files. It would simplify AUR, geeks, everything. Everything that you can think of would just would be that simple. Now, of course, in the real world, it is never that simple, and that's the that's that's why it needs to be that simple by default. That's why we would want it to be that simple on a good day, because then those exceptions that are bound to crop up would be would be handled. But of course, in the real real world, that's not how it goes. We don't have that standard base. Well, we we kind of do. I mean, Auto Tools has largely become or has has largely been traditionally the standard for open source code delivery. You structure your project a certain way with a certain number of file, uh, certain expected files in the base directory and the source directory, certain number of um, subdirectories with, with certain types of files within them, and you do your makefile.am or .in, whatever it was, and then, you know, and, and someone runs dot slash autoconf or autoreconf, and it constructs the sort of the infrastructure, the skeleton of, of your build system, and then you give it to your user, and they're able to just do dot slash configure, make, make, install. And and that was relatively predictable. There may have been exceptions here and there, but that was kind of a beautiful way of doing things. Now, I guess it probably wasn't the most beautiful way of doing things, because as I've said, AutoTools syntax is a little bit strange. Like, it takes some getting used to. I mean, everything takes getting used to, but... Auto tools, I guess, took a little bit, a little bit more getting used to, maybe arguably, and so other people somewhere, some people decided that they needed their own build system, which I identify with. I, I, I get it. I totally get it. Um, to this day, I don't use anyone else's script to build Slack builds except my own, called Sport Slack Ports. and I just do that sort of because I wrote it and I can, and it's just. The littlest, tiniest things I'm able to customize for myself without going into someone else's code, trying to figure out their code, and then sort of maintaining my own fork of their code. I have my own application that does the whole thing for me in the way that I like. It's silly and not terribly efficient, but then again, it's also, as I said, that's what I like. So I get it. People wanted a different build system, and so they developed something else. It could be Ant. It could be well. I mean, and certainly AutoTools is is geared towards C and C plus plus, which maybe that's part of the problem. Uh, if you want to use AutoTools for some other language, it, it takes some doing. Uh, so if it's even possible at all, it kind of depends. So because I mean, it just sometimes it's not the appropriate tool for the job. So other people have other build systems, and and then and and then those get integrated into the packaging process. So we're still not sort of in the emergency zone yet. Now we have two or three or five or eight packages being thrown over the wall, and the packager, rather than just taking it and cranking it through their pasta maker or their sausage maker or whatever it is, um, they they have to look at it first. They look at it and say, okay, what's this using? Oh, okay, it's using Auto Tools. Okay, cool. So I'll put it into this one. Oh, this one's using Ant. Okay, well, that one goes over here. This one is using Maven. Okay, well, that's a little bit different, so we'll, we'll put that over here, and so on. So you, you, you just have, like, one little step, one little check along the way. And that, of course, could be done, I, I'm assuming, through automation. You could automate that by, by just kind of analyzing what the package claims to be using. I don't know what the process for that is personally, but it's it's a thing that you can do, and it's it's done. So that's... That's fine. Now, where we get into the danger zone is when people decide not to use a build system at all. That's a problem. Because then you've got a packager who essentially has to... Well, first of all, they stop. They, they can't process the, pack, the the code. They can't just put it through on, onto the assembly line and just have it magically work. Now they have to look at what's happening. Well, what is wh- what system is this using? Oh, it's using other. Okay. Well, what is other what 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 has the programmer decided 
they believe their application should how their application should install and that's a that's a whole mess because now you have to kind of trust whether that programmer understands system design or whether they're they, they just understood how to program really well but they and then in the delivery side of things they just thought well on my machine if i put this in this directory and that in that directory everything works as expected not once allowing for the fact or for the possibility that that someone out there might not have this directory or they might but it might be on a super fast um important disk and they don't need all their man pages on that super fast important disk they just want their man pages basically online but they don't want they don't need it to be on their 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 front of line array so so they want their documentation or whatever it is in the user local man or or whatever and and not in user man or whatever so there are variations in systems and if the person who invented their own build system happened not to recognize that when building their own build system then suddenly the packager has to patch stuff out or patch stuff in whatever direction the problem is happening and and that takes time it takes a mental it, it you have to shift gears as it were you have to kind of go from okay i'm processing packages automatically to whoop, okay now i'd get to turn into a part-time sort of programmer and come up with a shell script or something similar to to correct these errors so that it works on my system and that's just one packager for one distribution another packager for another distribution is going to have to go through the same thing and yeah they can they, they might be able to trade information borrow from each other's work but it's still it it's still halting the works a little bit every time that package crosses the threshold from programmer to distribution or to packager uh, for uh, for every single distribution, so that's a problem. There's another problem with localiza localization. I've seen people try to do their own localization in their own build systems, and yes, it works. But goodness gracious, you, unless you've accounted for every single localization possibility, you're you're probably not where you need to be because you're not using you. You haven't just you haven't abstracted everything. There's a there there are ways to abstract localization just tell tell your build system like auto tools or or similar or cmake whatever this is the localization package use it and and then it can it can do all of the things that it needs to do whereas if you're if you're hand coding it then hundreds of lines of code that has already been written to figure out how things need to get localized now you are personally having to do that and this was you were doing this all because you thought oh it'll be easier to just package it or to to write my own quick shell script for, to build my code rather than learn auto tools or cmake or, or or whatever ant or or maven those are the only ones i can think of right now so i'm just going to keep repeating them over and over again well i told you that wouldn't be really all that brief i i did mean for it to be brief but i uh, th this is kind of an important topic and I think this is, of all the sort of problems with open source and and collaborative system design, I think this is one of those that I would really like for us all to solve, or at least to, um, to pay attention to. And by that, I don't mean that there needs to be only one build system. I don't believe that that's the solution, really, ever for an open source design. The... The strength is in the choice of open source. I've I've said that before. I'm going to keep saying it because it's just that's the I think that's the fact. I, that to me is is correct. We want the choice. We want the diversity in in what we have available to us. But within that diversity, within that group of of different choices, we want to make sure that there is consistency, such that when you get code, you do have a standardized way to deal with it. It may not be a way that you've ever encountered before. I mean, to this day, I get annoyed when I get a, um, what was that one called? Jam or something like that? There used to be a build system, probably still around, but it, 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 would, it was like for one project out there that I, that I would install on Slackware. It was a multimedia kind of package. And, and every single time I encountered it, which was, you know, every three years or something. Well, no, actually at the time, because I was building a lot of systems for, for um, a group so yeah actually it was it was on a fairly regular basis 
and um, I never knew how to use it, you know, because it was a new build system. But the the important thing is that it is a build system. And so if everything is going well, then it's a really, really easy process to get through. And even when things aren't going well, maybe you, you know, you, you've got a library installed on a non-standard location. All you have to do then is figure out how to tell that build system the new location or whatever. And, and then you're done and it's going and it's, and it's off and running again. So the build system simply, it just, it helps you find the problems in 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 the in the process that that ought to be automated anyway. It helps you find those problems. It generally helps you get around them, and then it has that ripple down of that that trickle down effect of once one things get once one thing gets fixed, then several other things get fixed as well because it's designed to be looking at previous values, which once again a lot of times self homemade build systems just don't do that because it's it's the product of one person sort of bashing binaries into into different places on your system and if if one of those places happened to be poorly defined then it may never catch that or it might catch that and you might fix that but then it won't catch the next thing because they didn't define it in such a way that it inherited value so really build systems really really important i really really like them I've gone on too long. Let's talk about CMake now because there is quite a lot to talk about with CMake and I want to I want to do it justice because it's a really nice system. Okay. So, we're going to talk um about CMake. Let me just get a demo folder up here. Um let's call it demo-hello. And in this demonstration folder, I'm going to create a really quick um executable or, or code rather, called world.c. And this is going to be a hello world application, as you might expect, which is going to just, we're going to include, so hash include, angle bracket standard io, stdio.h, close angle bracket, next line int, main, parentheses, parentheses, curly brace, next line printf, parentheses, quote, hello world, backslash n, close quote, close parentheses, semicolon, return, zero, semicolon, uh, and then curly brace again. Very simple little application, no big deal. All right, so let's see, we've got, um, we got that. So let's just assume for a moment that we've got a little application here called world.c, and we decide we want to we want to implement a build system for this. So the first thing that you want to make when you're using CMake is CMake lists dot txt and that is capital c m and then lowercase a k e capital l i s t s dot txt and in this file you first should uh, define the minimum required version of cmake now this is pretty pretty flexible really cmake is really good about backwards uh, compatibility so uh, the examples that i've seen lately are 3.10 as your minimum which, who am I to argue? So CMake underscore minimum underscore required. That's all lowercase. Parentheses version all capital. 3.10 close parentheses. Now I say version all capital because what we're doing here... Actually, you know what? I'm going to... Let me not... I'm not going to explain that yet. Let's do the next line, which in this case is going to be project parentheses world with a capital W space version all capitals 1.0 close parentheses. Okay. Now I'll explain the version thing, because you might be catching on to what we're doing here. Um, it may seem to you, if you're used to programming, uh, either Lisp, by the way, if you want to learn more about Lisp, listen to episode 405. Um, maybe you're used to Lisp, maybe you're used to Python, or Lua, or Java, or anything really. This is going to look, this is probably feels somewhat familiar to you. It feels like you're you're invoking a function and then passing some parameters to it. And in CMake terms, they call these uh, commands, although I really see them more as functions myself. But the CMake underscore minimum underscore required, that's a command in CMake. And then parentheses, version 3.10, close parentheses. So in the parentheses, those are parameters. And so version is a parameter of CMake minimum required. It's probably re it's probably a required parameter. 
I haven't actually checked, but I just based on I've always assumed it was because it just makes sense. So version capitals 3.10 that's a parameter with with its little argument 3.10. So just think of it as like a on in a terminal when you're typing something out foo dash dash version 3. It, you know it's like it's the command and then the option and then the argument. Same goes for project, but you you will notice of course that the the syntax is a little bit different here, and that's simply because project is a different command than cmake underscore minimum underscore required. So project is a new command in C, or not new, but I mean, this is a diff, new to us, right? It's a new command, and so we would have to look up the syntax for it, and CMAC is quite, cmake is quite well documented. You, you'd possibly be surprised. It's just so well documented. So all of the commands that it uses, they're well indexed. You can just look them up. It tells you exactly what's required and what values it expects. Really, really nice. So project expects a name of your project. And so in this case, I've given it a name, world, with a capital W. Just why not? And then space, version. Now that's a parameter. Parameters in CMake syntax, parameters and variables in CMake syntax are capitalized. So in this case, world is something that is an argument I'm passing to project. Version is a um, is a parameter. And then the version that I'm setting this to is 1.0. So that's the argument again. And that's the all the header information that you need. And you might remember in AutoTools you had a sort of similar a similar structure in in your initial file. You had to uh, I think you had to name your project and and you you did create like a, a tuple or a list for a tuple for lack of a better term um, of the project author or contact and the version and so on and name. So so this is kind of within the same. This is this is similar. It should feel similar if you've used a build system. It kind of just makes sense. Now since we've already created a sample hello world application, it's pretty easy to detail to CMake what to expect and and what to to strive toward when building our application. CMake is it is designed to to compile code and to deliver uh, binaries executables to to some place. So it is it is very much like you don't have to do a whole lot of work contextually. CMake just kind of knows what you're talking about. So add underscore executable is a command and Removed from CMake, that might seem like a strange command. Add executable. What does that mean, add executable? But we're using CMake here. So its whole life is about where's the executable? Like that's, that's what it wants to know. What do I do with the code? What do you want me to, where is the code and, and to what shall I write it to? That was two twos. Um, so in this case, add executable, add underscore executable. That's a command parentheses world. Again, I'm going to, give it a, um, let's do a lowercase world for this, because it's a command, and people don't use capital letters in commands. So add underscore executable parentheses world space world dot C, and then close parentheses. Now world dot C, you'll recall, that's my hello world application that I just wrote at the top of this this demonstration. So that's the, we, we've just done in three lines, we've done the project declaration with CMake minimum required and project. And then we've added an executable, like a target, essentially, which is world and world.c. Now, what that is, you can read add executable, essentially, as gcc-o-world, world.c. That's what it's saying. It's saying world.c is the is the code that you're going to compile, and you're going to compile it out to an executable called world with a lowercase w. So the next thing that you, the last thing you have to do for this is install. So that would be the command install, parentheses, targets, all capitals. And that's, again, a parameter that we're passing. So we're telling it, hey, I want you to install the targets world. And we know it's a target because we've added it to CMake. We've added, we did the add underscore executable world world C. So that 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 is a deliverable now. That is a target file that exists. And so at this point, we're just saying, yes, when install is invoked, we want you to install the target world. 
to the user's machine. Now it happens to know what kind of file that is, it knows it's a binary and so on, because again we've used the add underscore executable. There are other add underscore things, add underscore library for instance, and that would that would treat those kinds those targets would get treated differently. But this is just an executable, and so it's getting treated as an executable. So we're done. That's four lines of 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 CMake instruction and in theory, we're pretty much finished here. So I'm going to go back out to my terminal here and um, get rid of some temporary files. Okay, so if you know about CMake, if you've ever built a CMake project, you'll know that the classic invocation, or the, the classic process is make dir build. I'm lazy, so I'm just going to use the letter B. And then I'll go into letter B. So it's an empty directory sitting in my project folder. And then I'm going to run cmake space dot dot. It's, it's cmake dot dot because you're pointing cmake to the top level cmake lists dot text. And that is significant because you can have subdirectories with other cmake lists dot txt files in them uh, through a different process, which I don't believe we'll get to. But it is, it's like add underscore subdirectory or something like that. But for this, it's cmake dot dot because we know that the cmake lists.txt file is back one directory. So cmake dot dot, and this is a pretty quick process, but this is the equivalent of a dot slash configure. That's kind of what it's done. And you kind of get the feel for that. It's the C compiler identification is GNU. The CXX compiler identification is GNU. Detecting C compiler ABI info and so on. So it, it does that. I mean, this is a simple little tiny application with no dependencies other than standard um, I.O. So it's, um, yeah, like 10 lines of output. But that's fine. Uh, it ends with build files have been written to blah blah demo dash hello slash b. And indeed, if I do an ls in my current directory, which is b, I see that there are some new files here. And the new files are cmakecache.txt, cmakefiles, that's a directory with a bunch of other stuff, and then cmake underscore install.cmake and makefile. And the makefile is just a generic sort of everyday makefile. You could look at it, and it'll look really familiar to you. It says it's a cmake-generated file, do not edit, but... Generally speaking, if you're used to looking at makefiles, this qualifies. This is just a generic, normal makefile. And that's important and significant because the next thing you're going to do has nothing to do with CMake, really. It's it's just make. We've talked about make before, I think, haven't we? Um, make make is just, it's just make. It's GNU make. So you can just run make, and again, really tiny sample application so not a whole bunch, of, not a whole lot of output here, but it's got scanning dependencies of target world, building C object, and it lists uh, the the object that it's creating, linking C executable world, building target world. And if I do an ls, it looks like I have now a little application in my current directory called world. If I do a dot slash world, it says hello world, just as expected, and we're kind of good to go. So that's a successful make. Of course, the next logical step would then be to do a make install, because we've done our dot slash configure, or rather cmake dot dot. We've done our make, so yeah, now we would do our make install. So I'm going to make a directory in um, a temporary location. Let's just call it slash temp, although it's actually not, but I won't, I won't tell you that. Um, and and then we can do a make install dest dir all capitals dest dir equals slash temp, slash, you know, whatever directory I created for my temporary files. Hit return. Once again, tiny output, but sufficient. Tells me that it's installing the project, it's installed the configuration blank, and installing to my temporary directory user local bin world. So if I do an ls-r of my temporary directory, it looks like, yep, there is a directory there called user, and inside of that is local, and inside of that is bin, and then inside of that is that application world, which should, if I if I execute it, if I run it, uh, it, it should work. And yes, it does. So that's that's a package. For Slackware, what I would do is then I would go into that, that location and do a make pkg-ly-cn, and then give it where I want to save the package as the, the, what what name I want to give it and and so on, and that would be my Slack package. 
Now, if this were an RPM spec file, I, I, I wouldn't have done all that manually, obviously, but I would put those commands, cmake dot dot, make, make install dester, whatever RPM build directory I'm, I'm using, and, and then that would become the RPM that I would then post on the server for everyone to come download uh, in the, within the software repository. That's it. That's building a very, very simple CMake project. But I don't want to stop there. I, I do want to talk a little bit more about some of the other features of CMake. So let's go get a cup of coffee, enjoy that for a couple of moments, and then we'll come back and talk about what CMake can do for you. <laughs> coffee and we have more CMake to cover so let's get started with that. CMake is geared towards C++ I feel that's kind of its specialty and I, I feel like when you encounter it in the wild that's generally what it's doing but that again this is a build system so it can handle other things I mean it doesn't it doesn't always have to be compiling so I'm gonna remove my temporary directory structure there and then I am going to create, let's just make a directory called assets. And in this directory of assets, I'm going to just put a screenshot, which I will take right now. Okay, now I have a screenshot in my project in a folder called assets. Now, understand a screenshot is just because that's a thing that I can do. It, this could be documentation. This could be a bash script or a Lua script or a Python script that doesn't need to get compiled. You just want to make sure that it gets to your users, your, your, your target, well, your users, um, user bin or, or an acceptable location, you know, cause it does, it might not be user bin. It might just be their home, you know, tilde slash bin or tilde slash apps or, or whatever, wherever they keep their, their scripts, their local scripts. So, and, and that's the advantage again of a build system. You're thinking in your head, I, this needs to go into user bin. Well, no, it doesn't. It needs to go somewhere where the user wants it, whether it's somewhere uh, ideally on their path or somewhere, somewhere else, whatever it is they all they want to do is make sure that all of the components you're giving them are placed in within the structure that they have on their system accordingly. And we can do that with CMake. And one way to do that is with the file command. File parentheses copy. That's all capitals copy. So this is a parameter. And we're going to copy assets, the directory assets, A-S-S-E-T-S. -S -E the destination, that's all capitals, destination, is going to be quote dollar sign curly brace cmake underscore current underscore binary underscore dir closer curly brace so that's a cmake variable it's all in capitals it is a built-in variable i didn't make that up i didn't invent that that is something that that cmake provides on its own and what that represents is your build directory why they didn't just call it cmake build dir i don't know maybe i I, I genuinely don't know. There might be a, good, a very good reason for that, but essentially, when you do the make dir build or make dir b or whatever you call yours, bld, whatever, that becomes the CMake current binary directory because that's kind of your, um, or at least the way that I do CMake and that I've always seen it done is that that becomes the the staging area for all the stuff that is getting compiled. It's getting dumped into there, and then when you do your make install it's getting taken out of there and placed, or not taken out, but copied from there and placed onto the system or temporary directory or, or wherever the, whatever the dest dir is. So copy assets, destination, this variable, cmake underscore current underscore binary underscore dir. And then what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna say, well, I don't want you just to dump assets into my, into my directory like in my build directory, I want you to make a new directory that is versioned so that when I install this stuff, the user knows what it belongs to. And so as part of the destination, I'm going to add slash world dash dollar sign curly brace world with a capital W because that's the project name underscore 
version, all capitals, close curly brace, cur close quote, close parentheses. So what we've just done there is we've we've prompted CMake to make a new directory called world dash and then the version. Now the version, and this is cool. Remember we've set we set the version in project. We said project parentheses world version 1.0 close parentheses. So we sort of surreptitiously created a new variable in that process and the variable is the project name underscore version. Now the weird thing about this is that, is that you you didn't name that variable yourself. Well you did kind of because you named the project but what I'm trying to express here is that there are certain things that just get grandfathered in and you might not be aware of it. You know like if you're writing let's say Python and you write out the expression foo equals 12. Well you know the name of that variable. It's it's foo. You wrote it down. You you wrote the typed foo. That's the name of the variable. But in 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 CMake, and, and this happens elsewhere, like in AutoMake a little bit, you're creating a variable, you're, you're causing the build system to create a variable for you. It would be as if though you were to, in Python, type foo equals 12, and Python secretly created a new variable for you called int underscore foo equals 12. For instance, because it, it, it knows that 12 is an integer, so it somehow it prepins the data type to your to your variable name. Now if that's how it worked in Python, then we would be I think we would all be used to that sort of thing. I created a variable, but but the part that I created was just a component of the bigger picture. So that's what's happening here. You you're defining project is world space version space 1.0. Combine all that information and you get world underscore version which resolves to 1.0. And that's exactly what's what you're able to use later in your in your CMake file here where you tell it file copy assets destination CMake current binary directory slash world dash whatever the version is. Okay so that was um, a long talk about variables I guess but I wanted it to be clear because it threw me off a couple of times uh, in the past. So that's the declaration part. We've declared that the file exists, and now we can, well, did we declare? I guess we've kind of declared it. I mean, we copied it over to a place, so now we know it exists. And now we can install it. So for that, we're going to do install again. It's the command. We've used this before in the previous uh, rendition, where we were actually installing binary, a target. But this time we're not installing a target. Like a target is like the add underscore executable. That's a target. This is arbitrary data. So in this case, we're doing install parentheses directory, all capitals. Now, I didn't know that when I did this. Like when I, you know, when I was writing this for the first time, I didn't know it was going to be directory. I just knew, I remembered that there was an install directive. And so then I looked up what the parameters were. And it told me, well, the parameters for install can be targets, script, file, cop, uh, not copy, um, directory, there was something else that I just slipped my mind. You know, there, there are these, these things that you can put down, and then it explains what those things are, and directory was one of them, and that kind of made sense. So the, a slightly confusing thing here is that once you're in the install stage, which the install directive kind of clues you in, you're, you're now in the process, you're, you're scripting the install part. Once you're there, you you are in your CMake current binary directory that 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 letter the build directory. So everything that you're doing now is based on what's there, not in your source code. So for instance, or or just keep in mind rather that I did a file copy assets to to a destination location. So I'm not I'm not dealing with assets anymore. That's the old folder. That's assets. It exists in my source code. Now I'm dealing with world-1.0, if you'll recall. Of course, I wouldn't want to call it world-1.0, because it won't always be 1.0. It'll just be whatever that variable for my version is set to. So install parentheses directory, and then cmake, well, dollar, quote, dollar sign, curly brace, cmake underscore current, underscore binary, underscore directory, curly brace, slash world dash dollar sign curly brace world underscore version close curly brace close quote do not close parentheses yet now we're going to tell cmake what kind of data we're giving it and this is important because again with a target cmake knows what that is 
it knows that it, it lives to compile code, and so if you're telling it, hey, I want you to install a target called world, it knows where to put that. It goes into the binary directory, obviously. But a set of arbitrary data, it has no way of knowing what you're handing it or where you expect it to go. So there are a couple of different, well, I think literally a couple. There are two different ways that you can define what this is. One is type, and the other is on the tip of my tongue, and I'm not I'm just not get, getting there, but uh, type in this case would be data, and that resolves to something. And I guess I'm gonna have to look this up because I just don't remember what it is. Um, but this is the this is the install, and this is a great tour of of the documentation of CMake actually. So I'm gonna go to the latest release. This is cmake.org/cmake/help, and you can go to the latest release to get to the the most recent information. And somewhere in there, there's an index. Far right corner, there's an index link. And you go there, and then you can go alphabetically. I'll just click over to I, and there's the install, and command is what it's called. And so it's telling you all the different options for install. Targets, files, directory, script, code. That was the other one. And export. And the thing that I'm looking for right now, of course, is what kind of definition for where things go, am I able to, where things um, should get installed to are available to me. So I've got, oh right, type or destination. So you can give it a type, that's capital T-Y-P-E, or destination, all capital destination. And one of those must be given to an install command, but not both. And a type argument specifies a generic file type of the files being installed. A destination is then set automatically by taking the corresponding variable from GNU install DIRS, or by using a built-in default if that variable is not defined. So if I tell CMake a type, the type is data, and there's this nice little table on the on the on the in the documentation, and it says data, the GNU install dir variable that that looks to is cmake underscore install underscore data dir. So you've seen data dir probably if you've ever done a dot slash configure, uh, dash dash help, or dash dash options, whatever it is. Um, so that resolves to data root space dir. Oh, well, that's not a, a literal. So yeah, that, that goes to whatever your data dir is set to, which is usually user or share. And then anything under that is... Uh, would apply. So user share would be for data. Um, if you tell it a type of man, the type man, then it would be data dir slash man. So that would be user slash man. Uh, doc, it would go to user slash doc, and so on. And so there's a couple of different, there's bin, sbin, lib, include, sysconf, shared state, local state. So that's like, you know, bin, sbin, lib, include, etsy, var, and, and things like that. These are all system variables, so these can be changed by the user, and we'll get into that in a moment, but that's the that's a really important principle, and that's kind of what I was talking about, that cascading effect of resolving errors. The, the data dir is set by, by the system default or by the user, and, and from that value, it can derive the correct location of the man pages, and of the info pages, and of the um, document the doc pages and so on. So so that's super useful, and it, it's one of those things that very often gets overlooked when people are building their own build system. They just throw stuff into ver in, into directories, and maybe they variableize one thing, but they don't. They can't imagine that anyone would ever install something over over there. And so they just don't variableize that. They don't make that a variable. And so you've got everything set up. You think you've got everything set with their little custom build system, and you run it, and you, you end up with man pages in user man instead of opt man or, or opt project name man or whatever you wanted to actually do it with. Okay, so that's um, that's the install. Install directory to the to the place, type data, close parentheses. I'll save that, and then... Let's see what happens. I think I need to make a directory first. Yes, I do. So I'll make my build directory, and I'll make a temporary directory. I'll go into my build directory. I'll do a cmake dot dot. Seems to be okay. Seems to be happy. I'll do a make. That um, didn't really do a whole lot, but honestly, it doesn't have to. So let me actually back up out of that again and make a new one. So I'm going to do... I forgot to point this out. So cmake dot dot. And now if I do an ls in my current directory before running make, 
I see that there is a world-1.0 directory here that contains a folder called assets, and in that is that screenshot that I took. So now if I make, I don't believe anything's actually happening there, because it doesn't have to compile anything, there's no targets. Uh, but now if I do a make install dest dir equals, and point it to my temporary directory, something does happen, because there are, there is an action for install, and that is of course to copy my world-1.0 directory to the data dir which by default here is user local share, and then world-1.0, and then all of the files within that. And that's that's CMake, I guess. Um, I could go on for a long time. There's a lot uh, there's there's a lot to CMake, but it's really well documented. I, I can't emphasize how well documented CMake is. It's it's amazing, uh, and I'm comparing it really to Auto Tools. And I, I've got to say, I I kind of am glad that I tackled auto tools first because it is definitely the more complex of the two in terms of kind of getting started and i think if i'd tried if i'd if i'd experienced cmake from a building perspective first i don't see why i would ever look into auto tools well i, I guess i would have had to for this podcast but in real life i can't imagine looking into auto tools over cmake because cmake is just so easy i sat down to really investigate what CMake could do, and it took me maybe an hour to feel like I had a pretty good grasp on it. Several more hours to sort of get the subtleties down, but that's to be expected. And and it's quite different from several hours to just get kind of just a basic understanding of all the different things that you have to have in place for auto tools to work. And the different stages too. It's just so painful sometimes going into an auto tools uh, project and then doing, uh, what do I have to do here? Auto... Okay, well, dot slash configure. Oh, that doesn't exist yet. Okay, auto conf. No, that doesn't exist yet. There's missing files. Okay, auto reconf. No, that doesn't do it. Auto make dash dash add dash missing. Okay, now auto reconf. Okay, now auto conf. Now can I do make? No, first I have to do dot slash configure. Okay, do that. That works. Okay, now I can do make. Then I can do make install. It's just, it, it is truly painful sometimes. And, and it's more painful if you don't understand what the heck is going on. Um, whereas CMake, in my experience, has been a lot kinder. It is it 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 it, it tends to be just a, it, it. There are fewer. There's less mystery there. It just it. I mean, there is more. There there's mystery because you just all you know as a user is oh, there's a CMake lists.txt and in the README or the install file it tells me to run these magical commands and that's always you know that that's magic that's mystery. You don't really know what's happening, but if you look into it a little bit, you see what's happening pretty quickly, and and getting it to to do its thing is is relatively easy. Is it as easy as it possibly could be? No, arguably not. I think there there's probably an even clearer way to make this happen. We should write our own build system. Um, just kidding. Someone has, and 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 that you know there may well be a really easy build system out there that I've not yet experienced and and cannot rave about yet but cmake for me at least is it's a big upgrade it feels like a big upgrade from auto tools now the big question is i guess whether i'm going to start using cmake instead of auto tools and the answer is i'm honestly not sure i mean i i do intend to use cmake for real life stuff um but you know i've i've invested time and 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 code not much but you know i've i've written the infrastructure for auto tools projects now and they are working and i'm not going to fix them if they're not broken and i don't feel that they're broken so it, it may well just be a, a mix of cmake and auto tools or who knows maybe i'll just get lazy and just keep copying and pasting the same sort of infrastructure from auto tools over to my my new projects and i won't bother i won't bother with with changing um it doesn't it's not a um I feel like sometimes the vote of confidence isn't isn't strangely what you're using. It it is it it's it's sometimes just the acknowledgement that this or that is better, but you can't be bothered to use that nicer technology because this one sort of always uh, already exists or it's already got momentum or it's got more support or not rather support but like sort of it's it's more ubiquitous whatever and that's a pity i guess but i mean at the same time there's a lot of pragmatism happening here so as much as i would love to just be able to say yes i'm i'm a cmake man now i'll i'll never use anything else again 
Um, I just don't know if realistically that's actually going to happen. But let's talk more about how great CMake is. Um, CMake has interactive modes. Well, no, before we get to that. So remember how um, there is the prefix of where things get installed, right? We've got, if we do an, a list of our temporary directory, it looks like there's a user and then a local and then a bin and so on, or a share. Actually, and I'm going to, yeah, let me, I'm going to open my CMake list back up. And I, I'm going to add back in my binary. So add executable, install target. Yeah, that's better. Okay. So now, because I just having that data is a little bit light, I feel. All right. So I'm going to remove my build directory. I guess I'll remove my temporary directory just to kind of get a fresh start here. I guess, you know, one thing in my haste of just kind of removing things I'm, I'm kind of glossing over is the is the ability for a build system to, and, and this has been pointed out to me from listener email, um, you know, a build system can save you a bunch of rebuilding, and that doesn't come through in these small demonstrations, but it is true that when you are building a project and then you decide, oh, I need to change this 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 setting or that setting, then you don't have to necessarily rebuild everything. For instance, if I were to, um, if I if I decided that I wanted a different, well, actually, I guess we could do that right now. Actually, watch this. Uh, will will this reflect? No, it won't really reflect it. Well, eventually it will. Okay, so I've just done a cmake dot dot in my in my fresh build directory. So now I'm going to look in my cmake underscore install dot cmake file. It's just, that's just something that appeared in my in this build directory. I'm going to look at that and do a less on it. I mean a most on it. Most. There we go. And uh, it looks like the cmake underscore install underscore prefix is set to slash user slash share uh, um, local slash usr slash local. And that makes sense, because remember, when we were doing a make install, everything was getting installed to user local. So that's something that the user should be able to control themselves. And we've already built the project, right? No, I haven't. Okay, make. Now I've built the project. And were this a very large project, I would not necessarily want to have to rebuild this whole thing just if I, if, I, if I just suddenly realized I don't want to install everything to user local. Oh, I actually wanted to install everything to opt. So, or, or rather, yeah, that would be the prefix, opt. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to do cmake space dash capital D as in define and then no space and all capitals cmake underscore install underscore prefix equals slash opt and then of course space dot dot because we're always pointing back to that original cmake lists dot txt so that reconfigures a bunch of stuff and if i do a most on cmake underscore install dot cmake now cmake underscore install underscore prefix is set to slash opt and what do you think would happen if i did a make install to my temporary directory so that's make install dest dir equals and then I'm pointing to my temporary directory and there we go. Uh, in my temporary directory, there's a slash opt slash bin world slash opt slash share world and so on. Now, of course, that's probably not what I really meant to do. I probably actually meant to say that it was going to be slash opt slash project name or something like that, because that that's that's not how I keep my opt directory. At least I usually keep things in my opt directory self-contained. So, but you get the idea. I mean, we, we can change it to anything. We could change it to uh, slash just slash USR or slash home slash clatu slash bin. Doesn't matter. Whatever we set that DC or that, that CMake underscore install underscore prefix to when issuing the CMake command is what gets placed into the appropriate make file or configuration file. And that's just one example. CMake underscore install underscore prefix is simply, that's the, the prefix example. There's a bunch of other variables. How do you find out what those variables are? Well, you could look through all of the make files and, and configuration files. You could do that. And that, that very frequently is a quite educational activity to do. But even easier than that is to use one of CMake's graphical user interfaces. So CMake has not only a terminal command that you can interface with it through, but it has a terminal 
interface, uh, an interactive interface, like a TUI, terminal user interface. And they also have a GUI, and I can get to the GUI just by going up to my application menu and typing in CMake, and that opens it up, and it asks you where the source code is, and you can click to browse the source code, and I can go to the source code, where to build the binaries, so I tell it where in that directory I want the binaries to be built, which is, of course, B, and then I can click the configure button. So that works. That's really nice. That's a completely GUI method. The, the way that I more often use myself is ccmake dot dot. So ccmake invokes the uh, little in terminal GUI and it's um, relatively simple. It's a screen full, well not a screen full in this case because it's a really really simple application. In this case there are exactly two lines. cmake underscore build underscore type and maybe I would want to call it a release and then cmake underscore install underscore prefix and that's set right now to slash opt well I could just set that as I said to like USR and well those are the only two variables that I have to set right now because like I say this is a really really simple little demo application now at the bottom of the ccmake interface there's a little menu uh, it tells me that I can press enter to edit an entry which I've been doing D to delete an entry I've never tried that before L to show log output, C to configure. So that's well, that's pretty much where I I go from here. Now, if you're if you if if you've just been messing around and you realize oh, I don't want to reconfigure, then you can just hit Q to quit. But oh, and there is T for advanced mode, which gives you a lot of other options. A lot of other options. Turn that back off. I mean, that'll be your screen full. If you if you want the screen full, hit T for advanced. Uh, so I'm going to hit C to configure. It tells me that it's configured, and so now I could even generate, and then it quits. And in theory, I'm all set up for for building with success. And I can try that again. Make install dir equals to my temp directory, and yeah, it looks like that worked. So it, it installed it to my temporary directory, user bin world, user share, world 1.0, and so on. So the, the GUI interfaces and the options on the uh, terminal to the command itself are really, really useful conventions. I use the um, the options for the command all the time. Not not really super directly, but I mean in Slack builds, that's 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 what we use, and it's a very easy way to control the output of CMake because you have access to all of the variables, and they're all really well documented, and it just works out really nicely. So that is, I think, probably everything about CMake that I have to say. But again, nowhere near what CMake what CMake is capable of. There's so much that it can do. It's a really nice system. It, it Its documentation is a pleasure to read, really. Go to cmake.org slash cmake slash help and just look at some of their documentation. They've got so much. It's just so easy to find what you need. And I think that, in a way, is a big difference between it and the AutoTool documentation. AutoTool documentation is divided into all of its different components. You've got the auto make, the auto conf, the auto this, the auto that. I don't recall ever seeing a really great picture of how it all fits together. And once it does all fit together, finding out the the edge cases and, and what each weird macro or, or M4A, whatever it is, or M, what is it, M4 macro actually wants, is a, is a whole other thing, and it's, so it, it does get complex. And it could just be that the method of delivery just isn't exactly what I need for quick reference or, or something like that, but the CMake documentation, really, really nice. A pleasure to look stuff up. And you always know where to look, and that's a big deal. So check out CMake if you're looking for a build system for your project, whether it's a coding project or just a project with lots of stuff that needs to go into a specific place, because that is CMake can do it, and it is not hard to get it to, to do that. It is really easy. Give it a go. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to the GNU World Order AugCast. This has been Klaatu. You can reach me on IRC. I'm on the Freenode network usually in channels such as AugCastPlanet, Slacker Media, Slackware, a couple of others. 
My nick on IRC is not Klaatu. You can also reach me lately on Mastodon. My username there is at Klaatu at Mastodon.xyz. Of course, you can email me at Klaatu at member.fsf.org. That's Klaatu at member.fsf, as in Free Software Foundation.org. And of course, you can visit my various websites, gnuworldorder.info and slackermedia.info. I will see you next time. Believe in the power of darkness.